0: Jesus, we thank you today that we are your people called by your name. We've been washed. We've been forgiven. Our lives have been transformed because, Lord, we invited you to come in. You waiting for that opportunity, that moment, that invitation, you came in and you brought all of the wonderful things that our lives were lacking, the peace that we needed, the joy that we looked for, that now fulfills us, Lord, the strength, sometimes when we feel weak, suddenly again, your grace comes, and that moment becomes a moment of strength, Lord, it's because you're with us, it's because you're for us, it's because you never fail us, you never falter, you're always there, You're the one that said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And each one of us, in different ways, have found that to be so true. Even when we have been faithless, you've always been there, faithful. Lord, unmoved by our behavior, unmoved by our decisions, unmoved by... Sometimes the frustration and the anger and just the confusion of life, unmoved. You've been unmoved by it all because you're faultless. You're faithful when we are faithless. So Lord, again today, we thank you. Lord, we stand in your presence. These are your people, Lord Jesus. They're not my people because I didn't hang on a cross for them. I didn't bleed for them. I wasn't punished for them. They're your people. This is your family. This is your house. It doesn't belong to any man or any woman or any organization. These are your people. We are your people called by your name, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as your servant, I would serve your people. Encourage your people. Lord, use The words of my mouth, I pray. Lord, use my mind to think through. Lord, use my mouth to speak through. And use, Lord, this moment, this occasion, to lift up the heavy heart. Lord, if there's anyone here, Lord, that just feels downcast, Lord, alone, isolated, not knowing what to do about the future, Holy Spirit, we pray. Would you take this moment, take this moment, Holy Ghost, and use it, change our lives, transform that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout. Wonderful. And look at Isaac here. Come on. Look at Isaac. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Have Isaac with us this morning singing. Come on, let's give it up for the Musos again. They do a wonderful job blessing us. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to continue talking this morning about prayer, prevailing prayer, prayer that prevails. And I've just been thinking about this over the week, weeks, and this last week. And you know, in many ways, it's very difficult to describe what, what prayer is. In many ways, you can't, you can't put a handle on it. You can't put it in a box. Because in, in lots of ways, it's undefinable. But the last few weeks, we've been looking at a verse of Scripture from Luke chapter 18. Words that Jesus gave to His disciples one day. He knew that they were going to face lots of challenges, lots of problems. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus spoke a parable to his disciples. And he talked about in this parable a widow woman. We read about it on the first week that we began to look about this. Look at this. He spoke about a widow woman who had an adversary, an opponent. And this opponent was an aggressive opponent, very strong opponent. She was just but a weak widow woman, and she had nobody to help her. And Jesus told this very, very simple story to illustrate the power of prayer. This woman went to a judge because she wanted the judge to deal with her opponent. She wanted an answer. She wanted resolution for her need. But the judge, unfortunately, was an unjust judge. He didn't care about God. He didn't care, certainly, about this widow woman. And what Jesus was doing was he was telling them a story. He was presenting to them a parable to illustrate the power of prevailing prayer and perseverance. And Jesus said this widow just kept going to the judge. And at first, the judge wouldn't do anything. At first, the judge just ignored her. But then, because she kept on persevering, because she kept on prevailing, because she kept on knocking at the judge's door, the judge began to say within himself, I have to give this woman justice. I have to answer her request. Otherwise, she's going to wear me out. And the the, the literal Greek picture there in that parable, is that the judge actually feared for his life. The judge, because of her continual coming, began to fear, began to began to be worried about the future, because this woman would not let him go, and he avenged her, her, her adversary, her opponent. He got justice for her. And Jesus, in telling that story, said, listen, guys, I'm giving you now a secret. I'm I'm." taking back the veil, I want to show you exactly what prayer is like. When you begin to pray, when you begin to persevere, when you begin to take hold of a promise and believe it, and believe that promise, wonderful things begin to happen. He said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. When we don't pray, it's easy to lose heart, isn't it? When we don't pray, it's easy to give in. It's easy to just say, well, you know, que Sarah Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Let's just throw away any hope. Let's throw away any possibility of this ever-changing. It's here to stay. But the man and the woman of prayer, the young person that, that, that decides to pray, says, no, it's not just going to be how circumstance decides it's going to be. It's not just, I'm not just going to leave my life down to chance and the issues of my life and my future down to chance. No, I'm going to bring God into this area of my life and I'm going to ask Him to change it. I'm going to ask Him to do something that I cannot do. I read a story once about a young man and... He had his future set out before him. He planned it. He'd spent time over deciding how his course and how his life was going to unfold. He had a beautiful fiance, and they had set their plans down. They had decided how their life was going to look. He was from a good background. She was from a good background. They had no financial worries. They had no concerns and then one day as they were moving towards the great day of their wedding, his fiance turned to him and said, listen, I can't do this. I don't want to get married to you. His heart was broken. His dream was shattered and suddenly the great plans that he had for his life The great future that he thought that they were going to have in building a home and building a family suddenly came to an end when she announced that news. The young man was only in his early 20s and one night he went to a golf course. He, he He used to play golf. And he went to a certain area in that golf course and he got down on the green, he knelt down on the floor, and he began to pour out his heart to God because he loved God. And he began to pray. And he said, Lord, I have tried to plan my life the best way that I can plan it. Lord, I have come and, and, and I have set out my dreams and my hopes for the future, and look where it's landed me. I've tried to do everything I can do in, in my power. And now I have a fiancé that doesn't want to marry me. She's not in love with me. And all of my dreams and all of my aspirations and all of my hopes have suddenly come crashing down. I don't know what to do with my life anymore other than give it to you completely. A man, a young man alone on a golf course two o'clock in the morning Giving his life to God because he didn't know what to do with life anymore. That young man was Billy Graham. Before anybody knew the name Billy Graham. And he got up off that golf course having no other desire now to build his life or construct his life in his way anymore. He'd handed it all over to God in a moment of prayer. It's amazing what can happen when people pray. It's amazing what can happen when faith comes in the heart, connects with God and says, God, no longer my will, but thy will be done. Suddenly, things began to happen to this young man, Billy Graham. Opportunities started to come his way that he had no control over. Doors doors of opportunity began to open to him, and he had no idea how. These doors of opportunity were opening for him. He had no idea. He had no control over it. Why? Because now God was in control. Now God was directing his path. Now God was ordering his steps into the places where he wanted him to go. Billy Graham has ministered in probably most continents of the world. He's spoken before politicians. He's spoken bef- be- be- before high society. He's spoken to people at every level of life. He's seen stadiums filled right around the globe where he has preached to countless millions of people. And it all began with a prayer on a golf course where he was at a moment of disaster What he saw as disaster, God saw as destiny. God saw as destiny. I remember my mum saying that to me one day. (laughs) She was at a difficult place in her life with depression and illness. And you know when the devil just gets hold of you and starts beating you up? Starts really, you know, punching you and you don't know what to do or where to go. And she just cried out to God in prayer. And she said, oh God, my life seems like a disaster. And the Holy Spirit quickly responded back to her and said, what's disaster to you is destiny with me. You see, men and women ought always to pray and not lose heart. Faint, cave in, or turn coward. We ought always to pray. No matter what the occasion, no matter what the situation, no matter how hard it might be, no matter what life is telling you, we ought always to pray. Don't lose heart. Don't cave in. Don't give up. Is it a career that you need? Is it a career? I can remember going to the career to the to the careers officer, and um, he said he said, "Well, son, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I want to go in. I want to go into engineering." I want to be a welder fabricator. He said, right. He said, well, how many qualifications do you have? I said, well, I don't have any. He said, what? He said, no qualifications. He said, you will never, you will never get a job in engineering without qualifications. You need to know maths you need to know physics, you need to know all of these different sciences in order to be able to understand workshop mathematics and calculations. And suddenly I came away very disheartened. I hadn't I I, I had messed up in school. I had made a mess of my life. And I went to the career's office, to the career's officer, and he just told me the truth. But you know what? There's two types of truth I've found. There's, there's, the, there's a factual truth. The facts are presented to us every day. It's true. You're sick. But there's a higher form of truth. Jesus can heal your body. It's true. It's true that, that the debt collector might be at the door But my God can supply all of your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. It's very true today that you may be feeling low emotionally. It's very true today that you may be fighting fear. It's very true that all of these issues may be facing you. Factual truth. But there's a higher truth. The promises of God's Word. The exceedingly great and precious promises that Peter tells us about belongs to you and I. It's a higher form of truth. It's not just factual truth. It's transforming truth. It's life-changing truth. And that's what we have to align ourselves with. And I was at that point where, I really was at that point where I was going to give up. Well, You know, I've made a mess of my life. Maybe today you've made a mess of your life. Hey, we can be friends. We can be really good friends because I'd made a mess of mine, you see. Completely. Completely. And maybe today you're in this place and you've made a mess of your life. Maybe you messed around in school and, you know, you weren't the teacher's pet. And I came out of that, I came out of that that meeting, very discouraged. Why? Because a person presented me with the truth that, that was correct and that was based on facts. I went to my grandfather. He said, how did it go, son? I said, not very good, Gramp. He said, well, did they, did they offer you a job? I said, no, Gramp. I said, Gramp, you know I haven't got much of an education. They haven't got any work for me. They haven't got any hope for me. He said, well, son, he said, we need to do two things. He said, we need to pray. And after we've prayed, you need to work. I like the first one. The second one, I wasn't so excited about. But you know what? I did have to work. I had to do a lot of work. But I kept praying. I kept praying. And before I knew it, God was answering my prayers and setting me on my journey, on my career course. Yeah, it wasn't a high-flying career, but do you know what? Do you know what? God walked with me even in my lowly career. And whether you've got a high-flying career, God will walk with you in that high-flying career. Or whether you've got just a simple, basic, lowly career, He'll be there too. He really will. It's wonderful. And he set me on my course. I could keep you here all day like you could keep me here all day, recounting all of those times where God has answered your prayer. But I just want to give you just a few points this morning, four points if we get through them, that prayer does The first one is this. Prayer brings God into our problems. When you pray, it's really simple. When you pray, you're actually bringing God, inviting God to come in to your problem. I remember the Holy Spirit once saying to me, he said, Dave, do you realize you don't have any problems? I thought for a minute, and I began to revolved that statement around in my mind. And I said back to the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, are we looking at the same life here? Because I see lots of problems. He said, yeah, we're looking at the same life, Dave. He said, you don't have any problems. You just have opportunities. He said, without me in your life, your life is full of problems. Your life is full of impossibilities, but with me at your side, with me with you to help you through. You don't have problems. You have possibilities. You have opportunities. And that's the great thing about knowing Jesus. That's the great thing about having Jesus hold your hand every day of your life. You don't have, you don't have problems if he's at the center. You have opportunities to see him come into when you pray God comes into your problem God comes into that moment of challenge into that moment of opposition into that moment of struggle and circumstance and crisis and he does something that is unimaginable God wants to be involved in every single issue of our lives. Do you believe that? Amen. God doesn't just want us to listen to testimonies like I'm going to give you this morning about how he's answered prayers for me. And I'm, mate, you need, you need to go through this training in order to get a career. He would then, you know, say, okay, dad, and he'd go upstairs and he'd you know, mope around, and then Monday would come, and the whole cycle would start again. This happened for probably six to eight months, maybe longer. My mum's at the back. She'd be able to fill us in. This happened, and I, I, I watched this. I heard it on a weekly basis. Friday would come. John would have the conversation with my father. Dad, I don't want to go there anymore. I'm fed up with this whole thing. Week in, week out, it would happen. Well, he came home this one Friday, and the conversation started as ever. Dad, listen, I can't handle this anymore. I don't like it. I don't want to be in it. I need another job. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And suddenly, my father prays a prayer in his heart. And he says, oh, Lord, what do I do? I think my brother was wearing him out. Lord, what do I do? And, and the Holy Spirit said to my father, let him hand his notice in. And without arguing, even though it was against my dad's reason, even though it was against what my dad would have done, he says, John, ring him up. You can hand your notice in. My brother was jumping up and down in the room. He thought all of his Christmases had come at once. He gets on the phone, and he, he, he speaks to the manager, and he, he just politely says to the manager that he was handing his notice in. That was it. Probably one of the most memorable Fridays in my brother's life. (laughs) Monday morning came. John now wasn't going to work. But at five to nine that morning, outside the house where my father used to drop my brother every morning of the week, there was a huge explosion it leveled the derelict house that they packed full of explosives and threw cars all over the place and completely demolished the front of the car garage that he used to go into. You see, prayer, prayer brings God into our problem. We don't know what's ahead of us. We don't know what's around the corner. But I'm telling you now, when we pray, God comes into our problem. God comes into our predicaments. God changes things and, and, and protects us. There's been many, many such occasions like that in, in my life. And sometimes the most smallest request gets God's attention. The the smallest request gets an answer from God speedily. And suddenly you realize that He's with you, He's for you, and He's ready to act. This morning I want to encourage you that we ought always to pray. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. Prayer brings God into our problem. Prayer changes your perspective. It changes the way that you see things. Lots of times it's, it's easy to receive news that, that's challenging. It's, it's easy to, to experience a, an experience in life that, that really shapes the way that you think, causes you to look with a perspective. But prayer changes your perspective, Ch- prayer changes the way that you look at things. It really does. There's an incredible story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. I'm not going to read it out this morning because it's quite a long story. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's an incredible chapter. You can read it maybe when you go home. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And there's a king called Jehoshaphat. He's the king over Israel. And he's, his, his palace is in Jerusalem. And suddenly, in this story, he receives news that three armies are coming against him, three, three nations have united to come against him and completely devastate and destroy his nation. When he receives that news, he becomes completely terrified. He doesn't know what to do and sometimes in life we get news we get sudden unexpected news and it may not be at that level but it can cause us to be afraid it can cause us to be fearful it can cause us to to be confused and depressed but what this man did was he brought god into his problem and he begins to pray and he begins to call out on God. And when you read the prayer, when you read into the occasion that happened in that time, these three armies were coming to steal and destroy the inheritance that God had given his people. God had given them the land, he'd promised and swore that land to Abraham. He promised Abraham that Abraham would have descendants living in that land and it would be their possession. And now, three armies were coming to seize that possession. And Jehoshaphat began to pray. He decided that the only way through this predicament was not standing up to them and fighting them, using their own armor strength to defeat them, They knew that they were well outnumbered. But he decided to bring God into that problem. He decided to pray. And as a result of that, his perspective began to change. He began to take his eyes off the situation that was in front of him. And he began to now again gain fresh perspective from God. He began now again to remember and recount all of the times that God had delivered His people. If you're going to pray, if you're going to bring God into your problem, your perspective is going to change. The way that you see things are going to change. You're not just going to see problems as problems, you're going to see problems as opportunities. And yes, it may be difficult. Yes, it may be hard. Yes, your dreams may be shattered. Yes, you may have to go to a point where Everything around you seems moved and shifted and out of place. But that problem, that crisis, that moment of complete darkness becomes a moment where you connect with God and your perspective changes and God gets in on the problem and now your path begins to take a different course. His perspective changed as they began to pray and suddenly as they were calling out on God, as they were praying, a man began to speak by the Holy Spirit. And he said, Hey, King Jehoshaphat and all the people, you don't have to worry about a thing. It seems so ridiculous. It seems so impossible. It seems so out of place when somebody stands up like that In the midst of something so pressing and something so difficult and something so hard. It seems out of place when somebody stands up. Three armies racing towards this this king to destroy him and his people. And one man stands up with God's word in in his heart. And he says, listen, you don't have to fear a thing. Stand still and see the salvation of your Lord. Because God has heard you. And God is going to intervene. And suddenly, they now begin to get fresh perspective. And they realign themselves. Next point. They realign themselves with the promises of God. The promises of God. If God has given you a promise, and the problem has hit you off course, maybe today... The Holy Spirit's going to help you to realign yourself with that promise. The problem tells you one thing. Oh yeah, it's factual. Yeah, it's true. But the promise comes with a different truth. A revelation from God to tell you that it can change. That it can be different. Take hold of it by prayer. Don't faint. Don't cave in. We ought always to pray, Jesus said and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. When Jehoshaphat received news of all of those armies heading towards that city and towards his people, he could have easily lost heart. He could have easily just given in. But they prayed. And the Bible said that those armies that were coming toward them, as the people of God went out, all they did was sing a simple song. That's all they did. Two lines, in fact. They sang two lines. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. That's all they sang. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. And the moment that they sang, the armies that were against them began to fight amongst themselves. And suddenly there was confusion. The, 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 the people of God didn't even lift their hand. They didn't, even, they didn't even have to do anything but sing. And the Lord worked for them. And those armies that were against them fell on the battlefield. The people of God went in and it took them three whole days To take up all of the blessing, all of the plunder, all of the goods that those raiding soldiers had left behind. You see, prayer, prayer brings God into your problem. Prayer changes your perspective. Prayer takes hold of the promise of God And enables you to enter into another dimension of life. Enables you to see God entering into your circumstances, your life, and the situations you face. And finally, prayer summons God's power. It summons God's power in your life. Jesus said on another occasion when he was teaching his disciples to pray (coughs) he said don't be like the hypocrites the actors the ones that look as if they've got everything because of their performances in public he said don't be like them he said they pray in public because they want the attention of all. And Jesus was well aware as to what they were doing because he saw them. And he saw the, 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 the attention that they, that they desired. And they, he saw the crowds coming to them to watch them praying all of these big, wonderful prayers. Jesus said to his disciples, listen, don't be like them. Go into your cupboard. Now this is the king of the universe talking now. This is the one who is Lord of heaven and Lord of earth giving us simple advice. Go into your cupboard and shut your door. You, you can't really give any big performance in there, can you? You're not going to impress God in, in your cupboard when you're all alone. You're not going to use your big words. Your knowledge of the Bible isn't going to stand for much. You're not going to be able to recite it. No, Jesus says, go in your cupboard, shut the door. He strips it all away. He gets it right back down to grassroots level. And he says, listen, God's waiting. How long has he been waiting in that closet for you and me? And listen, it's not, I don't really think that Jesus is talking about a physical cupboard. Although, you know, that may be the case for you. You you may have a, a private place that you go to. But I I believe more that, that the Lord is talking about a moment of time in the day or a moment of time in your life where you get alone with Him, where all the bravado goes and all of the veneer is off and simply it's you and Him talking. And Jesus said, He who is in secret And who sees in secret, knows what you're going to ask before you even ask it. I mean, this is something else. It really is. When you really start to think about it, and it really starts to get down in you, that this is actually an encounter and an experience, not a a formality. Prayer is not a formality, it's an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter. He who is in secret and he who sees in secret knows what you're going to ask before you ask it and will reward you openly. You pray in private, God acts it out in public. Whatever you pray in private, God acts out in public. You know, sometimes we really don't believe that God is listening to our prayers. And that's not a criticism. I'm, t- I'm talking about my own life. Right? I'm not pointing the finger at you. Believe me, not at all. Sometimes I've prayed prayers and they get such a quick answer, such a sudden answer. I think, my goodness, I can't believe that you just answered my prayer. I just can't believe it. And then there's other times where we've prayed prayers and those prayers were prayed many years ago. And it's almost as if God hasn't answered those prayers. And it looks even as if he's not going to answer them. But maybe, maybe there's some prayers that require patience, perseverance, and faith in order for them to come on through. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close The service in a few moments. Read a story a few weeks ago about a a young man that was leaving the army. Left the army base and he got onto the road and he was hitchhiking. And a couple of cars passed him. But one car stopped and it was a big, luxurious car. He jumps in. And the man welcomes him. He says, where are you going, son? And he just named the place, the town that he was heading to. He said, well, I'll take you as far as I'm going. And then you can hook up with somebody else. And you can be on your way. Well, the young man began to talk to this businessman that was very wealthy. And as time went on, in the course of the conversation, the young man who knew Jesus as his Savior felt impelled to tell this businessman about Jesus. However, he just felt intimidated by the fact that this man was wealthy. Although he was very kind, although he was very open and generous, he just felt that he was nothing and this businessman was something. But the Holy Spirit kept on pressing the young man to pray with this businessman and tell him about Jesus. To the point where he was really, really uncomfortable and uneasy. The car stopped, and the businessman said, well, listen, this is where the journey ends. I'm going left. You're going straight on. The young man said, sir, he said, before I go, I must tell you, I must, I must let you know about Jesus. I, I really feel impelled inside. Would you pray with me? And he, he told this businessman how to ask Jesus into his heart as his savior. The businessman, contrary to what this young man thought, was wide open. Wide open. He said, son, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to to ask Jesus into, into my heart to be my savior, to forgive me of my sin. Could we do it now? They pray together and the young man leaves and as he's closing the door, the businessman reaches over. He says, son, if you're ever in my area, please contact me. Here's my business card. The young man took hold of the business card, put it in his pocket, and their lives went in different directions. Five years later, this young man's in the city where this man had a great business, incredible business. And he reaches into his pocket, and he finds the man's card. And he looks at it, and he thinks, wow, that's the man that I prayed with, the businessman. And I'm in the city that his business is in. I wonder if I could contact him and see how he's going on about his duties and see how his life is progressing with Jesus. So he goes to the offices that the man owned on the address, on the card, and he was amazed to see, not just a small business, but an entire corporation. He walks in, asks the receptionist if he can see the man The receptionist rings up to his office and immediately is escorted into this man's office. He sits down and the man's wife comes in to see the young man. She begins to ask him a number of questions. Son, I'm interested to know how you know my husband, how you knew my husband. And he's, he begins to retell her the story that, that had happened the five years before. She said, son, can you tell me the date that, that my husband prayed with you? And he told her, let's, let's say it was like February the 20th. He told her the exact date and the time that they had prayed together in the car. She then breaks down in floods of tears unconsolable, and she begins to tell the young man, once she had recollected herself, she begins to tell the young man how she had prayed for her husband's salvation for many years. But then on that particular day, she had received news that her husband had been caught in a tragic car accident, just after they had prayed together, and she had no idea that God had answered her prayer because of the tragedy, the five years after her husband had died, she had given hope she had given up hope on God she, she, she had turned her back on God, turned her back on Jesus, thinking that God hadn't answered her prayers, thinking that God hadn't sent a laborer. She did not know that her husband that day before he he had died had received Jesus as his Lord, as his Savior. And now that young man was in her office assuring her that God had answered her prayer. Amen. You see, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we may have prayed many prayers that have been answered. But also our hearts may hang heavy because there may have been prayers that we have prayed that have received in our minds no answer. No, they've received an answer. They've received an answer. God has heard your cry. God has heard your call. God has heard the ache of your soul. And now life will maneuver you towards the fulfillment of that prayer. I believe that. I really do. Amen. Amen. Lord, I pray for your people right now this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you that as we pray, thank you, you'll come into our problems. And we will see those problems shaped and even dissolved by your presence. Lord, our testimony will be rich that you are not only, Lord, the God that hears and the God that sees, but the God who acts. The God who acts. We will see our greatest fears turn into joy. We will see our greatest problems turn into wonderful opportunities. Lord God, I pray For your people, Lord, that not only as we invite you into our problems through prayer, but Lord, we will also see a change of perspective in our our own lives. That we would view life itself differently. That we would come to you. We would call on you. And we would see you answer. And see you help. And see you aid us in the way that you want to. Lord, I pray. Today, maybe, we need to realign ourselves with the promise that you've given us. Realign our lives. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you help us today? You are the helper, the one that's been sent from heaven to bring us comfort and counsel. Help us to realign us with the promise that you've given us. And Lord, as we pray, Lord, thank you that your power will be unveiled. Your power will be summoned. Bodies will be healed. Lives will be changed. Dreams will be realized. Zeal will burn afresh. Hopes will be revived. Lord God, I pray for your people. Now today you may be here while eyes are closed. You may be here today for the first time. And you've never asked Jesus into your life. You may have been here a number of times. And you've never prayed that prayer. Asking Jesus into your life. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. I want to give you an opportunity right now. To invite Jesus. You've got to invite him in. You've got to invite him in. He's not going to come and kick the front door down of your heart and say, I'm coming in here to do what I want to do. No, God respects us. He really does. We have to invite him in. And today, you want to use this opportunity. Why live another day without Jesus? In your life. Why live another moment. Without a connection with him. The Prince of Peace. The bright morning star. The one. That wants to make your day every day. I'm going to pray for you right now. Are you here today? You want to pray? I'm going to pray right now. Say this very simple prayer in your heart quietly with me to ask Jesus, to invite him into your heart. Say this, Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me, forgive me of the sin that's in my life. I call on your name, Jesus. Jesus, save me. I believe you died for me on the cross. And I believe that you're alive. And now I'm praying. Now I'm praying. Now I'm calling today. Right now. And I'm asking you. I don't want to live without you any longer. I don't want to live according to what I want to do any longer. I'm inviting you in. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer while eyes are closed, we want to give you a little Bible. Would you lift your hand up? I'll see it. And we'll get a Bible to you. Well done, Paul. That's it, mate. Is there anybody else in this place? Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. That's it. There's some hands at the back there. That's it. Keep your hands raised. We'll give you some Bibles. Well done, ladies. That's it. It takes courage to do this. Don't be afraid. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible doesn't say, those that lift their hands up shall be saved. It says those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you prayed that prayer and you think, oh, I don't want to put my hand up, absolutely fine. I'm only asking you to put your hand up so we can give you a Bible. It's just a really practical reason. That's all. And that we can welcome you into God's family. Amen.